Hello, welcome back to the Athlete's Voice podcast. My name is Yona Knight Wisdom, and this is episode two of The Aim, The Athlete and Me, and I want you to use your aim to become the best that you can be. So as a reminder, this is all about my performance principles that I've kind of come up with, which I think have contributed to my success in diving over the years or my relative success. Um, That being the fact that I've made it to two Olympic Games when I really wasn't supposed to be anywhere near the Olympic Games, really, because I was too tall to be a diver and I didn't make it onto the British team, but I decided to take my own journey and go my own route representing Jamaica and by doing that, I managed to make it to two Olympic Games in 2016 and 2021. So that's been my success. And, you know, I might not have become an Olympic medalist yet or an Olympic champion. I say yet, as if I'm potentially going to do it next time around. I've got to make it there first. But, you know, you got to be in it to win it. But regardless, that was my target. And that was a target that was very well achieved based on the attitude that I took to training, the approach I took to training and to my general life. And I went through many experiences of good and bad and upsetting and joyful. And I've learned it and I've digested it and understood it. And now I want to try and help others through their own journeys by using these same principles to become whatever their version of their best self is, whether that is by launching a successful business or getting a promotion in their company or stepping up onto the international stage in sport or even just making a national team. Whatever it is, these principles can be applied in any way and I want to use this podcast to explain it. So I'm going to speak about elements of my week that I have found important or interesting or eye-opening and I kind of record a little voice note on my phone when I um, realise these things and then I kind of will just like freestyle and explain my thoughts and explain what I was feeling at that time and I just want to try and be as honest as possible really and hopefully the more honest I get the um, the better the podcast will be and the more people it could potentially help. So with that being said, let's go on to my first voice note on days like today i'm grateful for my willpower in the shops to not buy treats and snacks and chocolates and things like that now my nutrition has become a huge element of my day-to-day life over the last kind of four months because i started working with a nutritionist um which is one of my old school teachers um, we connected on LinkedIn and I just reached out after a little while seeing if he could offer me a little bit of advice but he actually took me in and has helped me out massively so far by suggesting some changes and some improvements that I can make to my diet and um, one of those improvements was just to be able to like reduce the amount of like snacks and bad stuff that I ate and replace those with better snacks and you know, things that still taste good, but things that do better things for my body 
and things where I can actually maintain a bit more energy after consuming them. So for example, my weakness, if you know me, is biscuits and custard creams. Like I love that. But obviously custard creams don't give you very long lasting energy and they will um, obviously just add too much sugar. So he suggested replacing that with like dried fruit, like dried mango or uh, soft apricots, which I took on board and I tried and I actually like the taste of those dried fruits and I'm enjoying eating them and I'm not really missing biscuits. But one of the big steps I had to make was when I go to the shop, literally just not buying these things and not buying these ingredients, uh, these um, snacks, because if I bought it and it was in the house, whenever I come back and I'm in the mood that I was in on Tuesday, where I literally came back home after I finished training and I felt like I could just eat everything, like everything was up for grabs. And I had, I had loads of things in the flat, I would have just eaten everything. It was just one of those days, but I had nothing in and, you know, I would then force myself, I was then forced to snack on things like my malt loaf or my um, dried fruit or uh, my like granola, other things that I have for snacks. So I was grateful for the decision that I made in the shop to not buy these things in the first place so that when I got home and I was in this mood, I didn't feel... I, you know, I, I didn't have to force myself to try and not eat them because I just would have eaten it and I wouldn't have had that control. So that's been one of the best changes and I'm definitely feeling the benefit of it in my training in terms of energy in every single session and also away from training in terms of energy because I'm busy away from the pool so I need energy to be able to do all the things I want to do. So it's important in that respect as well. Okay, the next voice note. Remember that every dive counts, even on the really rubbish days, it all counts. So this week's been a really challenging week in terms of training. Um, I had COVID whilst I was in Italy and then obviously came back, did like half a week of training and slowly kind of built back into it. Um, and then this week just gone, I started to put my optionals back up on three meter and my options on one meter as well, which are now really, really hard as well. Um, but obviously getting back into it, it takes a little while to build up the kind of synergy within my body and with the boards. And it takes a bit of time to remember the right movements and have the confidence to try and execute the movements in the right way rather than just rushing the dive and trying to get it done, which I definitely did this week and a lot of the dives that I did were not very good I didn't I did not execute them very well and it made me very frustrated because I was training well before Italy and I was really looking forward to like competing because I felt like I was in a good place but obviously Covid had other ideas and having to pick back up from a, a, a more challenging place and you know a not very good place where my optionals weren't being executed as well as I expected at this point it was very annoying but and at the same time you know I wasn't feeling particularly great um I wasn't feeling very strong because you know I'd been off training for a week as well so you know my strength and my power and my uh sharpness had just obviously disappeared that little bit shouldn't take too long to get back but I had to go through this process this week of kind of building it back up and that was really challenging 
uh, not just from a physical point of view, but from like an emotional and mental point of view. And just trusting that I am still on the right path and I can still do my dives and that the process will take me into the right place was pretty much all that got me through this week so far um, with relative positivity and, um, you know, relative confidence because I know how this works. I know that you got to sometimes go through the really difficult and the, the grim parts of training where everything's just going wrong and it's just a struggle and you just can't figure out the right way to do things, especially in diving when it's so technical. You've got to go through that to be able to find the sweet spot and the happy place and the confidence and the execution and the quality and I'm confident that that will come back to me and you know my focus and my desires and ambitions all lead towards the summer in like June July which is when my main competitions are so I don't need to be great at this point of point in time but I obviously would like to be better than I am right now but the circumstances haven't allowed for that so I've just got to trust the process keep on working hard stay resilient and I'll find the light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, as I think I quoted in, in last week's episode, um, in terms of resilience, the quote that I have with that is, in order to enjoy the sunshine, storms must be weathered, and to emerge unscathed is a success in itself. So I weathered the storm this week. I emerged unscathed with no injury or no other negativity and eventually the sunshine will come out and I'll be able to enjoy it when I get there. So my resilience really shone through this week and I'm really happy with that. And I think that gives me a really good foundation to build on over the next couple of weeks. And hopefully it'll get better. Uh, and if not, then we'll see how long that resilience lasts for. But I'm pretty confident with all the things that I've been through in my diving career so far, I'll be able to manage it no matter what, because I've still got time. I've still got time. Okay, the next voice note. As Alison Felix has announced that she's retiring at the end of this track season, uh, I'd like to share this story. Okay, quick story. And I shared it a little bit on my Instagram. But yes, Alison Felix uh, put out a post saying that she's retiring at the end of the season. So this season's all about joy for her and just enjoying the races and not necessarily about times, which is really cool. And it's awesome to be in that position because sport is all about just the joy of doing it and yes when you get to an elite level it becomes about the performance and it becomes about the result which puts a lot of pressure on which kind of takes away from that enjoyment but to be able to find that enjoyment every single day which she's able to find now is awesome but the story that I want to share is from when I traveled to Rio for the Olympics and after qualifying for the games at the World Cup in Rio I and this was in February, so I still had like a good five, six months until the actual games. I literally didn't want to call myself an Olympian. I didn't want to acknowledge the fact that I qualified for the games, really. Um, I mean, obviously I acknowledged it, but I didn't want to like take it for granted because I knew that things can change very quickly and I wouldn't be able to call myself an Olympian unless I've actually competed at the game. So it felt real and it felt exciting. I was buzzing. Obviously I was so excited, but I didn't want to take that extra step. Like I didn't put it in my bio on Instagram and I still don't actually have it in there now. 
but I wanted to just keep that separate as much as possible until I actually got them, until I actually competed. So the first time that I allowed myself to even consider the fact that I was an Olympian was when I got into the airport and went through the um, accreditation process because you get your accreditation at the airport to be able to take them to the village. And then, um, you know, obviously you get your bags and everything and then you go and get on the bus, which is supposed to take you to the village. And I went and sat on the bus and then just before it left, someone else came on the bus and I was like, oh my God, that's Alison Felix. I like, sat right there. And being like a big sports fan, I've watched track meets for so many years and I've seen all the different athletes, watched them run and watched them win medals and do well in the previous games and everything. And I knew Alison Felix and the fact that I, as soon as I saw her, I was like, I know that face that's Alison Felix, like straight away like that. That was my sports brain turning on and I was like, oh my God, I'm in the same situation as her right now. I'm in the same bus, going to the same place, the Olympic Village. I'm at the Olympic Games and I'm alongside some of the best athletes in the world. And that's when it really hit home that I had reached this level of sport, which I never thought I would reach. Well, I, I always thought I'd reach it, but it was, wasn't supposed to happen, as I mentioned earlier. So the fact that I was there on the same bus as Alison Felix, and I didn't talk to her, I didn't say anything, like I, I, didn't, have the, uh, I didn't have the confidence for that at that point. Um, I kind of just sat and stared, <laughs> which obviously sounds a bit weird, but um, yeah, I, I felt it was better than going up to her and, and saying, oh my God, I'm a big fan, blah, 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 because um, that's a bit awkward, but yeah that's when I first felt that I was an Olympian and that was one of the best feelings because then I just knew how exciting the next three weeks were going to be and it just got better and better and better and better as it went on you know I arrived into the village going to see my room meeting all the teammates doing the opening ceremony going to the dining hall seeing all the other athletes and all the superstars and all the unbelievable athletes that I met and that I've watched on tv before and then going to the venue and training in the pool and then watching people compete and seeing people win Olympic medals like Tom and Dan um, being the 10 meter synchro pair at the time and then getting my opportunity to compete and then making it through to the semi-final and it just got better and better and then the closing ceremony and then it was all over and it was done but it was the best time and that was the moment where it really hit home and uh, honestly buzzing. Okay the next voice note I've been writing about learning styles in a document for my coaching qualification, but I was trying to think about what my learning style is, and I'm not really sure. So, obviously this applies very well to my coaching and what I'm doing, but it can also apply to everything because learning is important and learning is continue. it should be continuous, I think. Uh, I don't think you should ever stop learning because there's always something new to learn, there's always something valuable you can get. And I've been through these before but I've not really like put too much attention on it but it's the the VAK learning styles so V stands for visual A stands for auditory and K stands for kinesthetic and um I kind of said that voice note just because I wanted to think about it a little bit um so I'll give you like the definitions and the descriptions of what a 
each learning style is like. So a visual learner absorbs information primarily by seeing it or visualizing it mentally. So they are imaginative and can picture complex scenarios. Uh, they enjoy art, aesthetics and the written word. They are excellent at spelling. They take frequent notes. They revise while using color coordination. They love graphs, maps, diagrams, flowcharts and written instruction. They may struggle, struggle with verbal instructions and they find themselves easily distracted by visual stimuli, such as sitting beside the window. So after reading those, I don't think that I'm primarily a visual learner. So everyone is, everyone can utilize each aspect of, or, or different aspects of each learning style, but everyone will have like a primary learning style. And if, if you can like lean into your primary learning style as much as possible, you're more likely to receive and absorb information better, therefore learn quicker, therefore eventually perform better. So for me, I don't think the visual learning style is my primary one because although I enjoy aesthetics to a certain extent and um, I quite like maps and diagrams, but some of the other ones they don't suit me very well. Like I'm not that imaginative. I can picture scenarios, but not very complex ones. I struggle with that. I don't enjoy art that much. I'm not very good at it. I'm I'm good. I'm, I can spell, but I'm not a great speller. Like I do, I do struggle with certain words. Um, I definitely don't take frequent notes. I'd rather just sit and listen rather than writing down notes, which is one of the reasons why I really struggled at uni in lectures because I struggle to like listen and take notes at the same time. Um, so yes, visual learning definitely is not me. So the next one is auditory learning. So an auditory learner absorbs information primarily by hearing it. So they love verbal instructions and follow them easily. They are sensitive to tone of voice, pitch and rhythm. They understand process information, understand and process information by talking it through. They would rather a record to record a lesson or lecture than take notes. They are good at oral presentations. They learn better with music on, providing that it's not distracting. They thrive in group and panel discussions and they are easily distracted by auditory stimuli, such as background noise or being spoken to. So again, some of these kind of fit me. For example, I learn better with music on, I think. So when I like study, I have a playlist called Mellow Bars on in the background, which is like just rap, but um, just pure lyrics. So I don't know the lyrics and... I don't really listen to them, but I kind of get the vibe and I get the, and it, it, it helps me just like stay focused on what I'm doing. Um, I'd definitely rather record a lesson than take notes because I'm not very good at note taking. I can process information by talking it through, um, but I still don't think that the auditory style is the one that best suits me, um, mainly because I don't love instructions and I'm not want to follow instructions especially verbal like I can take feedback from my coach and training and I can take feedback from people but you know I don't I'm not always listening fully and I'm not always like fully absorbing the feedback I'll take like elements of it and apply elements that I think are important but I, I wouldn't like follow them to the letter and you know consider them like religiously so I don't think all the auditory is the style for me so I'm assuming that kinesthetic is then my primary learning style. So kinesthetic learners absorb information primarily through movement in a physical way. 
So they're good at hands-on problem-solving. They're physically coordinated and good at sport. They enjoy expressing themselves physically and may engage in performing arts or dance. They struggle with overly abstract or conceptual topics. They have a good sense of direction. They may learn by drawing or doodling. They excel at practical subjects such as construction, cooking and engineering. And they may be restless or fidgety in the classroom. So definitely most of these points hit me. So like I'm better at solving problems hands-on. I'm physically coordinated, obviously good at sport. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy expressing myself physically in terms of dance or arts, but like I always just randomly catch myself dancing when there's music on um, and I'll just, you know, like the beat. Um, I definitely struggle with like conceptual topics. So if there's something that's not like practical, I will be quite cynical with my obs- uh, with my processing of it and, um, uh, and I'll be very logical with the way that I think about it. Uh, I think my sense of direction is generally quite good. So when I, if I drive somewhere new, I'll put maps on, on my, on my phone or on my um, sat nav to get there. And then when I drive back home, I always try drive back without the maps um, to see if I can like remember the direction. So I think that I quite like that. I'm not very really good at drawing or doodling, but it's definitely something I did when I was a kid. Um, practical subjects always preferred and I was definitely fidgety and restless in the classroom. So Kinesthetic is definitely my primary style of learning and if I can take that lesson and apply it to like whenever I'm learning something new so rather than trying to listen and absorb information or you know read something written if I can do something practical that probably means I'm going to learn it better and if I can learn it better then I will be able to perform whatever task better eventually so for example with this Dame Kelly Holmes Trust program that I'm on um and I'm starting to, I, well, I've been delivering the program. I've done four sessions in the school so far. You know, I went through a whole like nine months of training and following instructions and doing written tasks online uh, during lockdown with the trust. But I've definitely learned more about everything that is a part of the trust and everything about their programs and everything by just delivering it and almost being thrown into the deep end having to deliver on my own with no experience, with no shadowing and no um, kind of supervisor or more experienced person next to me. I've literally just been thrown into it. I've got to figure it out myself and I feel like I'm figuring it out and I'm doing well. And I'm also learning a lot whilst doing it as well. So yeah, I definitely think I'm a kinesthetic learner. Um, And if you can figure out your ideal learning style, then you might be able to learn things quicker and more effectively and then perform more effectively as well. So I definitely recommend looking up um, VAK learning styles and doing some research into that. Okay, the next voice note. Easter weekend, I'm seeing people going all over the place and I've literally got not much to do. This is basically like my social life again, not being very social. Um, Although I actually ended up doing something which I wasn't planning to do. Well, I know I was planning to do it, but I wasn't planning to be there as long as I was. So it was one of my friend's birthdays and he was putting on a little gathering, a little party. Um, But the itinerary of the party was definitely not my street and definitely not my vibe. Um, But I tried to approach it with an open mind because I had nothing else to do, really. And I had no excuse to get out of it. I, I literally had no reason to not be there. So I got involved and had fun. I left early, but 
uh, well, earlier than like most others, but like I stayed for much longer than I thought I would. And I'm glad that I did because, you know, I had a good time. It was good to like do something slightly different. Um, but yeah, seeing like Easter weekend, obviously all my friends and people on Instagram and everything like going on weekends away and little holidays and stuff like that. And I, I, I mean, I, to a certain extent, feel like I'm maybe a little bit jealous that um, I'm not one of those people that can go away in the holiday or would choose to at this point but at the same time I'm not because I'm comfortable with where I am and what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do and I understand that I've got to go through this process first and I might be able to enjoy those benefits a little bit later down the line um, but at the same time I have enjoyed like little holidays and little breaks when the right time has come like last year I was away on two holidays in Barbados and in Mallorca when a lot of people didn't get to travel so maybe it kind of weighs up a little bit um, there's definitely some of my friends that travel a lot more uh, frequently than I do um, on their little like weekend breaks but you know I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily jealous of relying on breaks or trips or things like that to stimulate me or to like enjoy myself because I enjoy what I do every day and I'm comfortable with that and I'm happy with that and but yeah sometimes it's I, sometimes I feel like I'm missing out on like a sense of normality in certain situations but as I say I'm 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 cool with it because I don't feel like I need it this at this point because I'm getting so much enjoyment out of everything else I'm doing even though it's like hard work and it's keeping me busy and it's keeping me like from relaxing as much as I would maybe like to um I'm enjoying it a lot and that's obviously important because I I always want to be able to enjoy what I do rather than doing something to earn enough money to then find enjoyment in some other aspect for only a short period of time before you have to go back to that thing that you don't really enjoy doing just to do it to get the money basically so yeah the more comfortable I get with it now the the better it will be later on in life um after I retire from diving okay the next voice note trust the process okay yeah so this is this is me like this is me just trying like trying to remind myself to just continue trusting and basically what I was saying earlier about my training this week it's the same kind of vibe like just trust the process keep following the process because eventually it will get you to a good spot and it'll eventually you'll reap the benefits and one of my favorite quotes that I have as my screensaver on my phone and something that I think about on a daily basis is you reap, is you reap what you sow so the work that you put in and now you will eventually reap the benefits later down the line so when a farmer sows his seeds he's doing it to reap the benefits when it's time to harvest and when it's time to get all the um the grains or whatever it is that he's been growing uh but he's got to be patient and he's got to weather the storms and he's got to make sure that the timing is good and it's harvested at the right time and the process is followed as best as possible in order to get the most out of it. And the better you can sow the seeds, then the better the outcome will be. So every single day, I've got to make sure that I put in the effort and 
putting the focus on the details and just continue working hard and continue improving just that little bit every single time. There's baby steps every single day. The graft, as my coach put, puts it, and eventually the outcome of the process will reveal itself at the right time and I will reap the benefits. I've just got to trust it in the moment and not give up and not change my approach and not panic or do anything and just stay with the same mindset and stay focused on the day in day out challenges that I face with diving essentially and this ties into kind of like the mindset piece of and the, and the psychology piece of um, my performance principles because the psychology and the mindset is the foundation and if you can find a mindset that you can maintain and stay consistent with over a long period of time then that is how success will eventually be found when the when the psychology and when the mindset is not consistent and when it's up and down and when you don't really know what to expect from yourself then it's harder to maintain the trust in the process and maintain the high level that is required every single day to be able to compete or to be able to perform at your best level when the time comes for that important for that performance so yeah that's just kind of a self-reminder more than anything okay the final voice note find the hardest working person and then work harder than them that's what duncan robinson said so i just watched um the miami heat play their first game of the playoffs in the nba and they absolutely destroyed the Atlanta Hawks in game one. Atlanta weren't very good and uh, Miami were just really good. Uh, and I know it won't be this way throughout the entire series. However, that's not the point. The point is a man called Duncan Robinson who... Let me just let me do some real quick research about Duncan Robinson because his journey into his position now has been unprecedented in basketball because you know he was a he he started in college as a Div- division 3 player and after doing well in division 3 he eventually got a transfer to division 1 but then he's played in the G League he was undrafted in the NBA draft um he played in the G League for a while and then he eventually got his chance at the Miami Heat and he's always just relied on pure hard work to get him into each position. He said he always felt like the underdog as he was going through the process. He always felt like you know he was the one that they didn't expect to do well. So he just worked harder and harder and harder. And the Miami Heat culture is all about just hard work, hard graft, just putting everything on the line and giving your absolute all for the good of the team, not for individual gain. And with that, success will come and then you might actually get the bit of individual gain. So that's the culture of Miami Heat. So the expectation is everyone works hard every single day in training, in practice, and then they find performances like they, they did tonight and they have success like they did throughout the entire season, you know, top in the East with a lot of injuries along the way and a lot of absences along the way. And Duncan Robinson, he's been at the Heat for a little while now. 
and his main attribute is three-point shooting and he shoots the ball he's one of the best shooters in the league now which is unthinkable from where he came from but he wasn't a starter obviously when he came to the heat and then last season he became a bit more of a starter because of some of the changes in the roster but then this season he's been kind of relegated again to the bench and has to come off the bench so his minutes has been reduced he's not getting as much time on the floor so that means he's not taking as many shots however his efficiency and his productivity is still at the same level as it was even when he was getting more shots and that means he's still scoring a silly amount of points I think he was the leading three-point maker in the league in the entire season which is outstanding for someone that is playing off the bench um and outstanding for someone that came from a third division college and that went undrafted and played in the G League so it's it's so impressive and the reason why is because of his hard work and because of his attitude and approach towards his practice every single day and he said in an interview that when he got to Miami Heat he found the hardest working player and then just tried to work harder than them. And if you're doing that at the Miami Heat, where the expectation is that players work hard, then you are putting in a serious, serious shift. So that comes with the ambition that he had to to become one of the best players in the league. And it also comes with the dedication that he put into the sport. You know, he would have committed everything, all of his energy to the task. And look where it's got him now, like, just outstanding, outstanding play where the team trust him to hit big shots. And he recently got rewarded with a big, big contract, which is not something that he's had before. And even now he's got the pressure of performing to the expectation level of the contract that he's been given, he's still performing in the same way. Like there's been no drop off, there's been no like ego or arrogance that's come with it because he's put in the hard graft and the hard work and has been completely and totally dedicated to the cause. And that is a reflection of the Miami Heat culture as a whole. And that is why they've been able to find the success that they've had in the past. And that's why they will find success again soon, if they can maintain that and maintain that level of quality. And that's why I enjoy watching other sports so much. I feel like you can learn so much from the approaches of other sports and and you know what they do to find success and if you look at the Miami Heat you know they've they had outrageous success when they had LeBron um you know like a decade ago and then after he left they went through kind of a period of almost like limbo where they were trying to get the right roster and and the right setup and the right players but there was that level of consistency because the the coach stayed the same obviously the coaching staff might have changed a little bit but the the head coach stayed exactly the same and some of the main players you know remained and passed on their ethic to the new players coming in so the culture has just passed on and passed on and passed on so if you look at that compared to Manchester United for example I speak I spoke about them in the last episode the culture has been completely lost because a lot of the people that were there at the top and ran it in the way that gave United so much success in the past 
left and changed. And even though some players have come back, they've not been able to bring that same culture back because there's just so much change compared to at the Miami Heat. And also the culture just isn't the same. You know, that hard work, that graft, that that dedication, thinking that you're an underdog, not taking any successes for granted and not having arrogance with that. That's not the same because players that came to Manchester United thought, I'm um, coming to Manchester United, best club in the world. Um, you know, they'll they'll just win all the time and they'll be able to ride off that success. You know, I, I look at Paul Pogba, for example, when he came back and there was all the media circus and the way that he approached it, he wanted to ride off the success of a club like Manchester United to further his personal brand and further his image. And look at the outcome of that now where he's literally getting booed by his own fans because his performances have been so poor. I mean, he's obviously played good games, but his performance has been so poor in general. And the difference between Miami Heat basketball and Manchester United football is is just outstanding. So I find it interesting to look at these things and compare it and then take the lessons for myself in terms of how I approach my sport. And that's why I can be so committed to my sport because I just want to bring the best for myself. Um, but it's about the way that I dedicate myself to my training and the hard work that I put in and if I can work harder than everyone else that I train with and then work harder than everyone else that I you know maybe see competing or whatever or just do my best to do that then I put myself in a good position to perform well at the highest level which is obviously my goal so that's why I can turn up to train every single day no matter how I'm feeling and still just put in the hard work because I know that it counts and I know that the benefits will come eventually so yeah that's basically my thoughts from this week um it's been it's been pretty tough. Uh, Jen Jen's been away. Um, she was at Elite's where Danny was competing, and Danny did really well down there. Uh, he got I think he got silver on one meter, so he smashed it, which was awesome to see because he had a really difficult time in Italy. Um, but yeah, even with Jen away, like I can still approach my training as normal. But it's nice to have Jen back, and nice to have her eyes on me again, and you know, ironing out those details that we're looking on and working towards. And um, I get straight back into it tomorrow, you know, literally as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'll go and uh, put my food that I've cooked today. I've I've had a big day of cooking. Uh, I made some nice salmon. I made some honey chili chicken. I made some sweet potato, swede and carrot mash, made some broccoli and I made like big portions so I can just like box it all up, put it in the fridge or the freezer so that my meals are ready for the week and they are good, healthy and high quality. And that's where the nutrition um, and the work I've done with the nutritionist has helped me so much. And, you know, I like cooking. It's, it's you know, a fun thing to do on a Sunday, uh, even though I don't do social things. It's something that keeps me engaged and something that I enjoy doing. So that's been my week. And um more of the same hopefully slightly better next week but regardless i'll be back with another episode in one week's time so thank you for listening and hit me up if you have any comments see you if you've made it to this point much respect from me to you we are almost done before you go be sure to leave a rating and a comment give my athletes voice social accounts a like or a follow I'll be back with more stories and more conversations soon, so stay tuned.